0: This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. We have something a little different on the show this week. If it isn't obvious, I'm what you'd call pro-infrastructure. Of course, some infrastructure is vital and necessary, and some infrastructure isn't, but it all has to be made right. It's hard work, it's dangerous work, and it's often union work. This story is about New York City Sandhogs Local 147, and they are the urban miners who built every tunnel in New York City and many of the bridge foundations. Without them, there would be no sewers, no subways, no tunnels for cars, no water, basically, no New York City. To quote the Local 147 website, without the tunnels built by the Sandhogs, New York would have ceased to exist around the time of the American Civil War. So in 1994, radio producer Dan Collison interviewed the Sandhawks as they were working on New York City Water Tunnel No. 3. And if you've seen the third Die Hard movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance, you've seen New York City Water Tunnel No. 3 under construction. It's pretty amazing to see, and the voices of the Sandhawks responsible for building that tunnel are amazing to hear. Seriously, I could listen to them talk all day, but on this episode, we'll just listen for 22 minutes. This is Sandhawks by Long Haul Productions, produced in 1994 by Dan Collison.
1: Through the heart of a great metropolis flows the mighty Hudson River, a natural barrier between two states, a challenge to man's ingenuity, skill, and
2: courage. Sixty years ago, the challenge was to build another tunnel under the Hudson River, the Holland Tunnel and the George Washington Bridge could no longer handle the mounting traffic between New Jersey and Manhattan. And so the Lincoln Tunnel is started. It was 1934, the Great Depression, and jobs were scarce. In my day, uh, when you were hungry, it'd be anything. And to be a sandhog in Jim Murtha's day, you had to work almost exclusively in compressed air, air that was pumped into small, cramped underground chambers or caissons, to hold back the water and silt during tunneling.
1: Under pressure work is a strain on heart and lungs. There is danger also of contracting an illness called the bends. In my early life, I had trouble with the bends on my knees. You had a way of curing it at home. You'd get into a hot cup of water, and it would disappear, and then you'd fall asleep, the water would get cold, it'd come right back and hit you, like a toothache, a very, very bad
2: toothache. It's the same problem deep sea divers have when they come up to the surface too fast. Severe cramps and, in some cases, paralysis that can even lead to death. Around the turn of the century, during construction of the Pennsylvania Railroad Tunnels, the bends took the lives of at least 50 sandhogs. Initially, the men were declared dead of natural causes. Later, it was revealed that the death certificates had been falsified to cover up unsafe working conditions. Public hearings led to public outrage, and eventually, a Sandhog's union was born.
1: If we didn't have the union, we'd have nothing. Believe me when I tell you, absolutely nothing. You think there would be any kind of wages or any kind of conditions that the contractor is going to give you? A rich man got rich because he was holding on to his money. He isn't going to give it away to a bunch of slobs. So the union came in.
3: I'm going to read the title of the local, but you must remember that we came from an international union of compressed air workers. That's why the title is Compressed Air and Free Air Tunnels, Foundations, Caissons, Subways, Sewer, Coffer Construction Workers Union of New York, New Jersey, States, and Vicinity. That's the title.
2: Edward McGinnis is a former president of the Sandhogs Union, Local 147 for short. McGinnis' father was a sandhog, a foreman. And as a kid growing up across the street from the bar where his father recruited his work crew, young Eddie decided he wanted nothing to do with the business.
3: The banging on the bar and the fights that went on there, I was petrified. I never thought I would go near anybody that was a Sandhog, never mind working for them.
2: But despite his vow to stay away, Eddie McGinnis, like a lot of Sandhogs, ended up following his father down into the tunnels.
3: Economics decides a lot of our lives. And a decided mine. I know the first time I went into a, a tunnel and and they set off a blast of about 200 sticks of powder. I said, "What in the name of God brought me to this place?" That was my re- reaction. I'm going home and never coming back. But when I went home, I had young children, and I had to come back.
1: And John's everything else is good. Yeah. So far How I you mean. feeling, Patty? Good. Good. You doing all right? Yeah. Good man, Pat.
2: Ten years ago, there were 2,300 members of Local 147, headquartered here in a small office in the Bronx. Today, there are only about 700 members, and almost half of those are pensioners. All are men. Richard Fitzsimmons is the business manager for Local 147.
1: We had women. uh, They did go down. There was, I think, three women. And they worked alongside. They'd done the best they could, but they didn't come back after lunch. It was just, uh, the work too tough. I'm a firm believer that a woman should do whatever she can in life to support herself. But I don't think that Sandhagen uh, is is a place for a woman. I'd like to put it this way, I wouldn't want to see my wife or my daughter Sandhagen.
2: His son is another matter. Richie Fitzsimmons started working as a sandhog six days after he graduated from high school. Today, he's the president of Local 147.
0: It's basically a father-son union. Uh, just about everybody has either had their father or their brother as a sandhog or their cousin and... It's a small but a tight-knit union, and the union is run in, in such a way that uh, it's almost like an extended family.
2: And Local 147 is a union that has long prided itself on its racial and ethnic diversity.
3: Yeah, Tom McHugh is my name, and I'm a Sandhawk. Yeah, I came here from Ireland in 1971. And I joined Local 147 in 1972, and I'm here ever since.
4: My name is uh, Johnny Moore. I hail from Brooklyn, originally born and raised in Brooklyn, and I live down the Jersey shore right now. And i uh, been a hog 30 years. I was brought in by a fellow named Charlie Doherty, Donnie Gold boy. We have a lot of Donnie Gold boys in this local, same as we do have uh, West Indian, Jamaicans, Polish. We have a good contingent of Polish fellows from Queens.
5: My name is Lincoln Richards. Jack and his I am from St. Vincent, West Indies, and I've been a sandhog for 23 years.
2: Lincoln Richards speaks almost reverentially about the unity of Local 147, that no matter how they might feel about each other above ground, down below, sandhogs are like family. Very close. You can just finish fighting with a man in the change
5: house. You get on the elevator and you go down to work and it's your brother. He shares his last meal with you. He share anything with you. He'd look out for you, you know, anything he'd do for you. That's how beautiful a relationship we have.
4: We had integration, so to speak, before any of this ever came out about integration, before we even knew
2: about integration. Huey Barr worked as a sandhog for 35 years before retiring in 1987.
4: You know, you could work with Pollocks. I was Irish, Irish-American. I'd worked in Pollock gangs and what have you, you know, black gangs also. That was the method of operation. It was our work rules. It was our work rules. It's always been that way since I've sandhogging.
2: In New York, one of the most important work rules, if not the most important, is that you have to have a union card to work as a sandhog. But being in the union doesn't guarantee a job. Tunnel work is scarce these days. Several hundred members of Local 147 are out of work. Most of those who do have jobs are working on City Tunnel No. 3, a massive construction project that, when finished, will give much of New York City a brand new water system. City Tunnel No. 3 is badly needed. New York's existing water system, some of which dates back to the turn of the century, is so antiquated, city officials are reluctant to turn off the valves to inspect the tunnels because they're afraid the valves are so corroded they won't be able to turn them back on again. A small part of City Tunnel No. 3 is Shaft 21B, beneath the heart of Brooklyn. You
4: ready for the drill bucket?
1: Yeah, set it down.
2: It's early on a Monday morning, and a crew of sandhogs is about to go to work inside shaft 21B, 500 feet below street level.
3: We're getting ready to go down to drill now. I'm going to be drilling for maybe three or four hours. And then we get the dynamite down there, and we'll be blasting. We use about uh, 300
2: pounds of dynamite per blast. the 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 crew is off to a slow start this morning. There's an electrical problem so it's pitch black at the bottom of the shaft.
1: No lights, Dennis. Now check the panel.
2: The problem is quickly fixed, and the first group of sandhogs, dressed in hard hats and bright yellow rain slickers steps inside a metal cage and descends.
6: Give me one kiss and I'll be happy.
7: All right, load it up. Load it up. That back closed? Yes, yeah. it is. All right.
5: Going down.
8: The next sound you're about to hear is men in cage
2: going down. Men in motion. For most sandhogs, the first trip into a shaft or tunnel was the moment of truth, the point at which they knew whether or not they had what it takes to be in the business. You can tell the minute you step on a cage and you start going down, whether you do or you don't have it in you. Mike Jimenez grew up not too far from this site. For as long as he can remember, Jimenez says he wanted to be a sandhog.
8: People are mesmerized. by They say, what did you do? And we tell them, we boldly go where no man has ever gone before. We've come across virgin rock. This rock has been here since the beginning of time. Nobody's ever done this before.
2: Not every sandhog shares this romantic view of the work. Charlie Cannon is a second generation sandhog.
6: It's more economic than it is anything else. We, we don't come here for, for the glory of being the first one to uh, be where nobody else has walked, you know. It's uh, it's basic economic. you got to feed your family, pay your bills, and try to get ahead in this life. That's the whole picture.
2: Whether they work for the glory or the paycheck, Sandhogs work together in extremely close quarters. Here at the bottom of Shaft 21B, Ten sand hogs and a battery of heavy equipment are packed into a space about the size of a large hot tub. The walls are jagged rock, granite, quartz, limestone, illuminated by a panel of floodlights.
6: As you can tell, it's
8: cramped. Sardines. So this is what it's like to be a life of a sardine? Yes. Close to it. Yeah, baby, you don't get any better than this, though.
2: It's like working at the bottom of an empty missile site in a rainforest. Groundwater pours down from the rock walls above, collecting in knee-deep pools below where the sandhogs are getting ready to drill. They pull out big pneumatic jackhammers, attach long drill bits, and start boring holes for the dynamite. The opening at the top of the shaft, 65 stories up, looks like a pinhole. If something were to fall from above, even a small rock or a hard hat, it could be deadly. It's like being in a funnel.
8: There's no escape. There's no escape from anything that falls.
2: It was into a shaft similar to this one, Shaft 19 in Queens, that something did fall, something big. Last November, the day before Thanksgiving, a 16 ton winch broke loose from its mooring at the top of the shaft. Tom Flanagan and Mike Boyce were two of eight sandhogs who were working 450 feet below on a catwalk about 50 feet from the bottom when the huge winch plummeted downward. You we know,
8: all of a sudden noticed the cable got slack real fast and we looked up and all we seen was this big snake coming at us. The cable was coming and we couldn't see the surface due to the fog so. Uh Cable was beating us up real bad, knocking everybody all about, and then that that big big winch come through, and uh, all hell broke loose. Everything flying all over, and had no warning at all. <clears throat>
4: yeah, there was. I seen flashes out of the corner of my right eye, It sounded like an explosion. The deck broke loose, and I was had my foot caught in a cable, with my fingers in a grate, and hanging upside down. I was going to drop in the water or I figured break my fall because I was slipping and like I told the other guys, I thought of my two kids and turned my hand around in the grate and stuck it in again and just let my foot loose from the cable and inch my way up to uh,
8: a good cable or pull myself up onto the form. I managed to get up to uh, a flat piece of deck and just hang on to a piece of post on the guardrail and just hoped and prayed and, until the dust settled, until... Uh, Till everything stopped coming We were all very lucky that uh, that made it out of there. I just wish Anthony could have been as lucky as the rest of us.
2: Anthony Odo was the 20th sandhog to be killed during construction of the water tunnel. That averages out to almost one fatality a year.
6: You come here today to pray for the heroic men and women who made so tremendous sacrifices that the people of the city of New York would have water, life-giving water, for all the days of their lives and for generations yet to come.
2: At St. Barnabas Church in the North Bronx, Monsignor Considine holds a special mass each year in memory of the Sandhogs killed working on the water project. And so
6: now we'll list the names of those, if you stand as a tribute to them, who have suffered and sacrificed for the work of our tunnel. Charles Speckwee, a miner. Joseph Barton, the operating engineer. Stuart Birdsall,
5: the first the guy got the killed on water tunnel construction, Colbert, got killed about 20 miner. feet away from me on a work Edith deck. Dorsey, to hear that man moan.
6: With Ford, the pain. Ferris,
5: uh, it was something, I mean, you know, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Gilbert J.
6: Horton, minor. Frank sir. One
5: accident I'll never forget
1: on the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel happened on Easter Saturday. Minor. They put a guy on a motor. And that tunnel really had a bad slope in the great winter, about four degrees. And they were shutting the inside the lock. He came down with the motor. He couldn't stop it. The brakeman jumped, broke his leg. He hit the door. The battery jumped off, cut him in half. They came in and they got Andy, and Andy took me with him and we went over and put him in a sack and brought him out. And I vomited the whole night after that.
6: All right. And that's that. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
2: For every sandhog who was killed on the job, there are hundreds, maybe thousands, of close calls. The most legendary took place in 1916. As the story goes, Marshall Mabee was working in compressed air in a tunnel below the East River. There was a blowout. Mabee and two other sandhogs were shot out through a hole and up through the riverbed on a geyser 25 feet high.
1: They were mining, and they didn't have the equipment in there enough to stop that blow. And he tried to stop it, and he went up through the river with two other guys, and he survived. The other two men died.
3: The story seemed to catch attention because Marshall maybe went back. He was in a Long Island College Hospital. I think he only spent a couple of days in the hospital, and he was back working as quick as he could.
7: I tell you, you talk to most Santa, and, and they're going to tell you, when well, your time's up, your time's up, whether you're walking down the street or working underground. just going to go, you're going to go. When the man says it's time, you're gone, that's all simple as
2: that. It just wasn't his time. Stuart Williams thought it was his time a while back. He was working on a subway job when suddenly the tunnel caved in. Stewart, who's only five foot three and weighs less than 130 pounds, was nearly crushed to death.
7: Damnedest feeling I ever had. I saw the most beautiful light, saw my wife, my kids, just as clear as day, and then I passed out. I woke up in the hospital. I had a broken leg, my back screwed up, head cut open, broken collarbone older. But eight weeks later, I was back to work.
2: Eight weeks. (laughs) These days, Stewart works above ground as a supervisor. Tonight, he's directing a 650-pound dynamite blast at Shaft 22, part of the water tunnel project in Brooklyn. Shaft 22 is wedged between the Brooklyn Queens Expressway and a row of low-income apartments that look down on the site. It's surrounded by loops of razor wire and bathed in high-intensity floodlights. Stuart blows a whistle once to warn people living in the apartments that an explosion is five minutes away. Dynamite blasts are an almost daily occurrence here. Still, Stewart is anxious. He's pacing back and forth, smoking a cigarette, nervously pushing the plunger on the empty detonator in and out, and greeting men as they come out of the shaft.
7: I'm responsible for these men, and uh, thank God, back I would. I've never hurt one in my life or had one get hurt working with me, and uh, I don't want I don't want to start now.
2: The one-minute warning. Fire officials, on hand to monitor the blast, move in closer and put their earplugs in place. After 35 years of drilling and blasting, Stewart wears hearing aids in both ears.
7: Well, when I started, they, don't, they didn't have the ear protection they have now. You just had to tear a rag up or something stick it
2: in your ears. The countdown is finally over. Stewart hands the detonator to the blast man, who shouts out the final warning. Fire in the hole!
7: Sounded good. Sounded good. We'll know when we get down there. That's uh, one of the things about shooting—you never know. Do you get back down there? What you got? I got to get the fan.
2: On. He turns on the fan to clear the smoke out of the tunnel and heads for the Sandhogs' locker room, the Hog House located in a nearby trailer, for some barbecued ribs and a game of gin rummy. I seven. Eighteen. I love it. I love it. Uh,
7: Camerati was a man, the people that, that I've met. I've met some of the greatest people in the world, worked with some of the greatest people in the world. And uh, you get in I it gets in your blood after a while. And that's uh, really all you want to do.
2: There is a price Sandhogs pay for this love of the tunnels. You age, you age in the hole. So to speak. Many retired sandhogs, Huey Barr is one of them, suffer from silicosis, from years of breathing rock dust down in the tunnels, and Caissons disease, a deterioration of the bone from working in compressed air. It puts a
4: hurting on your body, so to speak. You can ask any of the old timers their joints hurt, you know, you're raking, you're raking. I don't think there's anyone
1: who works as hard as a hog. Two men would load about a yard of sand in about uh, two and a half to three minutes, and this goes on continuously for six hours without a stop. I don't think there's anyone that uh, stands up with that kind of work. But I never regretted coming in, and I'm, uh, I'm never ashamed of being what I am. Yeah. And this is what I am.
2: When the ribbon-cutting ceremony is finally held for City Tunnel Number 3, scheduled for completion in the year 2025, most of the sandhogs working on the project will have either retired or have died. 61-year-old Lincoln Richards may not be around, but he says there's satisfaction in just knowing he was part of it.
5: Every time, you know, I go down and I come out after eight hours, I say, well, I've made my contribution. And to know what you're doing is that people would be able to Enjoy it in the future. Yes, this is something that after I die and go on, it would be still there. Because we are doing something that New York City would always have for the
2: duration. Eddie McGinnis looks at it another way. Eliminate all the tunnels the Sandhogs have built over the years. The Lincoln, the Holland, the Brooklyn Battery, the Long Island and Pennsylvania Railroads, the subways. And you get an idea of the extent to which Sandhogs helped build New York.
3: Well, picture picture New York City, if you will, (laughs) with barges going across, bringing people across in ferries, and the best ferry system in the world can carry about 80,000 people in a rush hour. That's like from 6 a.m. to 10, 11 a.m. A a tunnel can do that in 20 minutes. Uh, Without that progress of people coming back and forth, Manhattan would be a dead island. Manhattan would have been nothing. You wouldn't. What would you build anything for if you couldn't get people in and out?
1: Three years and seven months it took to complete one tube of the Lincoln Tunnel. It opened to traffic December 22, 1937. Through the Lincoln Tunnel, traffic moves with speed and safety 100 feet below the river. A new link joins the states of New Jersey and New York. A great engineering piece. A great highway. A new conquest of the Hudson.
0: Sandhawks was produced by Dan Collison for Long Haul Productions. Long Haul Productions is Dan Collison and Elizabeth Meister. You can listen to all their stories and they got tons of great ones at longhaulpro.org. Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7KALW San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. Support for 99% Invisible comes from the cafeteria workers and radio announcers of the SEIU Local 1021 who backed our Kickstarter campaign and from Audible. Audible is the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment, information, and educational programming. I love Audible. A few years ago, I bought myself an Audible Yearly Platinum membership for my birthday. And so every year on my birthday, I get an email telling me that it's about to be renewed. And it's like the past me has given the future me the best gift I could ever want. I love the past me. I listen to so many books, it's it's hard to narrow down one to recommend. But about a month ago, I pre-ordered John Ronson's new book. It's called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And as I'm recording this, it's supposed to come out tomorrow. And I might just stay up till midnight so I can start listening to it right away. His books are just the best. And they're even better when he reads them to you. Audible is offering 99% of visible listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 99PI and choose from over 180,000 titles. I have tons more recommendations, so just hit me up on Twitter at Roman Mars if you need another. I mainly choose narrative nonfiction, just FYI. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 99PI and get started today. And as always, this show is made possible by Tiny Letter email for people with something to say. Molly boys Carver and Maslow always have something to say. What do you got to say, boys?
7: My favorite piece of infrastructure is the Golden Gate Bridge. Mine too,
0: because it's red. It's actually called International Orange.
7: I also like orange, but it really looks red.
0: Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. You know that newsletters are the new hotness, right? It's time to close down that blog, Captain Caveman, and get on the newsletter train. Tiny letter from the great people behind MailChimp. Thanks to MailChimp and the Knight Foundation, we created Radiotopia from PRX.
2: Welcome to the Allusionist. That's allusionist with an A, not an I. This is criminal. Welcome. Welcome to Strangers. To the Heart. The Truth. The Mortified Podcast. Theory of Everything. Radio Diaries. Love and Radio. Fugitive Waves. From the Kitchen Sisters.
0: Radiotopia from PRX is why podcasting was invented. Find out more and subscribe to them all at radiotopia.fm. You can find the show and like the show on Facebook. We're all on Twitter and Instagram, too. And we have a new episode from Avery next week, and you'll find it first at 99pi.org. Radiotopia.